looking for that day when you get to be with Jesus, say amen. Forever mine. And the thing is, you don't have to wait till you leave this life to know Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, to be saved by Jesus Christ. If today is the day of your salvation, say amen. God is good today. Give him praise in his house today. Give him praise this morning. Our students can be dismissed with Brother Will. They're going to go learn about Jesus. And you can be seated. And we're going to preach. And we're going to hear from Jesus today. He's going to speak to us through his word. Today there's a sinner that needs to be changed. There are believers that need to walk in the will of God. There's somebody today that God, through his word, has shown you and revealed to you. The next step you need to take, and you're afraid to do it, but today you need to be reminded that you don't walk in your strength. You walk in the strength of a living God. Somebody today, you don't know what the next step is. And you've got to learn today to patiently wait upon the Lord God to speak to you through His Word. Wherever you are, listen, God has a word for you today. Now let me ask you a question. All right, going to sound maybe like a crazy question, but... Let me ask you a question. Have you ever known? Have you ever known anyone that has had a squirrel fall down their chimney? You ever know any of that? Have you ever known anybody that has had a squirrel fall down their chimney? It happened to Clark. Not Clark Griswold. It happened to Clark Cothran. Old Clark lived in Michigan. True story here. Old Clark lived in Michigan. And uh, one Christmas, nonetheless, on Christmas Day, a squirrel fell down Clark's chimney into his wood-burning stove in the basement. Tumbled all the way down the chimney, the wood-burning stove in the basement. What a surprise that Christmas Day as Clark went down in the basement to fire the old basement wood-burning stove up to find that there was a squirrel in his wood-burning stove that had fallen down the chimney. Now, it being Christmas, any other day of the year, Clark uh, might have just uh, taken the old sucker out and sent him home. I don't know that squirrels go to see Jesus, but wherever squirrels go, if it hadn't been Christmas, Clark might have ended the squirrel's life. But being Christmas uh, and having his children around, Clark just thought, I don't want to kill anything on Christmas. And so, uh, so old Clark decided we're going to get the squirrel out. And Clark made one of the biggest mistakes of his life. Old Clark thought, I will just slightly open the wood-burning stove, and I will reach my hand in, and I will lovingly take that squirrel out. And that was a huge mistake, because squirrels are crazy, amen? They are crazy. And when he did that, that squirrel, according to Clark, began to scratch that stove and everything in it like it had overdosed on espresso. So finally, Clark and his children got an idea. They made a cardboard cage, and they cut out a small circle there on the uh, cardboard cage that they had made, and they put the cage up against the stove, and they opened the door and put that hole right up there so that the squirrel could climb into the cardboard cage. And it did. It climbed into the cardboard cage, and Clark covered covered the, the hole there, And they got the squirrel outside, and disaster was averted, and nobody had to die, and the squirrel was set free. My friends, today, 
sin is entra- it's trapped us, it has enslaved us, and it has led us to certain death. But the Lord God has delivered you and saved you, and you can be set free today. today. Now this morning, we are like that squirrel. We are frantically uh, and hurriedly trying as hard as we can to struggle and overcome the obstacles and the burdens and the difficulties that we face in life. But no doubt there are many, maybe most today, that it seems the harder you try to overcome or to move forward, uh, the bigger the obstacle becomes and the more desperate you get and the more you frantically move and move and move to try to overcome until finally you just throw in the towel and give in out of exhaustion. The problem you have today in your life, according to the Word of God, is your perspective is too small and your perspective is bound by sin. This is the problem we have. Instead of having a big God-sized perspective and seeing what God desires and what God's will is, we are bound by sin and we have a small perspective and all we can see is just right in front of us and even that is clouded by sin and so we do not see clearly and we, do know, we don't know what to do under our own will and our own flesh and so we try to come up with the best things we can come up with and it seems we just fail again and again and again. And the truth is what you need today is to cease seeing through your perspective and you need to listen to God's Word and allow God, who has a much bigger perspective, to show you and guide you and direct you in your life today. If you believe that God is good, say amen. And this good God has a plan and a purpose for His people. He has a plan for sinners to be saved and to enter into His will. He has a plan for teenagers and college-age students. He has a plan for married couples and singles. He has a, uh, he has a, a plan for the, the single mom and the, 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 the mom and dad together. He has a plan for the single dad that's trying to do the best that he can do. He has a plan for those that have never had children. He has a plan for those at the beginning of life and those at the end. God's Word is clear that there is a purpose that God has made you and created you for. Now, my friends, God will save you today. The Bible is clear and we have sung the songs and we have proclaimed that the chains are gone. You don't have to be bound by sin. But so many of you have continued through your own choice and your own will that is bound by that sin to continue in it instead of responding to the Spirit of God that calls you and will save you today. My friends, God will save you from sin. And He has, listened. He has lovingly brought you to this place to hear His Word proclaimed so that you can move from your own fallen purposes and move in to the purposes for which God has made you and created you. That is just what God did with a character in the Bible named Saul. Saul, the Bible teaches us, was one that persecuted the church and hurt the church and harmed the church. And Saul, uh, the Bible says, uh, was the best that you could possibly do according to your own ways and your own purposes, but it led him diametrically opposed to what God wanted. Saul was such a wreck in his life that he was frantically going from place to place, imprisoning and killing as many of the followers of Jesus as he could possibly find. But we saw something last week. Oh, if you were with us and if you weren't, what we saw last week is the Lord God in His grace reached down and delivered Saul, stopped Saul in his tracks, brought everything to a screeching halt. Some of you today, God has allowed circumstances where He has divinely moved to bring your life to a screeching halt because He knows that the path that you were headed on 
is one of destruction and it is one of death. And God loves you so much that you may be sitting here today thinking, why has God allowed this halt to come in my life? Why has he allowed this difficulty to occur? Sometimes, not always, but for some of you it is certainly the case that there is sin that you have been walking in maybe for a long time. And God has allowed things to crash down to stop you to where you cannot take another step in that sin so that you will listen to what he has to say. So you will listen to God instead of continuing in your own sin. That's what he did with Saul. He graciously reached down and stopped Saul dead in his tracks. The Lord Jesus spoke to Saul and he called him to repent, to change the path he was on, called him to a new purpose and a new plan, not of killing Christians and enslaving those that named the name of Jesus, but God reached down. The Lord Jesus stopped Saul in his tracks, we saw, and let Saul know, you need to put an end to this. And God does what he often does. He only gives Saul one little step. He doesn't give him the big plan, doesn't show him the big purpose. He just says, you got to trust me that I know what it is. And Saul, here's the next step. And he tells Saul, Saul we saw last week was blinded by this experience he had with God. And he tells him, just take one little step, one little step, and go to Damascus. And in Damascus, in Damascus, you will find what you are to do next. The Bible says Saul was blind and they led him to Damascus. And for three days, he prayed and he fasted. What is going to become of Saul? More importantly for you today, what will become of you? What will become of you today? Well, God has a servant. And we're going to read about this servant today. And his name is Ananias. And Ananias is going to be used of God, we're going to see, to help Saul continue on this new walk of faith. But, as we're going to see, Ananias is not sure this is a good idea, for Ananias has heard about Saul and all the sin that he has done and all the wrong that he has done. And Ananias is just a little skeptical and a little questioning. Can God really use somebody like Saul. So Ananias is the perfect example for most of us in this room. Ananias is the perfect example for most of us because most of us, God has called us to take the next step and we're a little skeptical and we're a little concerned. And we're just not sure if we can really trust that big perspective of God because we're a little more comfortable in the little perspective we have in ourselves. And I want to say it again. Today, God wants to save you from sin, and he also wants to save you from the little small box that you have put around your life, and he wants you to set you free for the big purposes that he has for you in his will. If you want to be a hold of the divine purposes of God today, say amen. We're going to see how he uses Ananias as an example for how God helps Saul take the next step in his journey. So Acts chapter 9, let's start in verse 8. Let's start in verse 8. Acts chapter 9 says here that Saul arose from the earth after he encountered the Lord Jesus. He encounters him and he gets up off the ground and his eyes were open but he couldn't see. Uh, This experience with the Lord had changed him and he is still blinded. He could open the eyes but he could see no man. And so they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus, the one Saul who is going to take Christians and lead them and guide them to their death, now has to be led by men to Damascus. What a change. So they lead him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. I'm sure he did a lot of reflecting on his life. 
I'm sure there's a lot of fear. I'm sure there's a lot of confusion at what has just occurred. His world has literally been turned upside down. Three days, no sight, no food or drink would he take. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. And his name was Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. Comes to Ananias and said, There's one that's praying, there's one that's seeking, there's one that desires to know, God, what, what is it you want from me? What is it that you demand of me? And he says, I want you to go because he's praying. Verse 12, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him. He has, he has, through this prayer, it has been revealed to him that one will come and lay his hand upon him. He's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. Lord, I've heard about this man. And I haven't just heard about him from one person or uh, two persons or a small group of people. Lord, I've heard from many people. Uh, he is the talk of the town, uh, at least among our circles. Lord, we, we, I know this one you're telling me to go see. Verse 13, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he has done. And not just how much evil he has done, but how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And there, Lord, he... Uh, has authority. They've given him authority from Jerusalem itself, from the chief priest himself, to do what? To bind all that call on your name. Lord, from my little perspective, from my little place, God, uh, you have lost your ever-loving mind, God. This is the best thing's ever happened to us. The one that was going to kill us, enslave us, murder us, now can't see to do the job. This should be a day of rejoicing that this man is blind. And yet you have told me, Lord, that you want me to go down and unblind the one that is blind? Lord, are you sure? But the Lord said unto him, go your way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. This man will witness to everybody, Jews and non-Jews, those in authority, those not in authority. He says, I have chosen this one for a special purpose. But here, and this is, we often forget this. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There's a big purpose, a big calling for this one. And it's not going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to be all prosperity. It's not going to be all on top of the mountains. He will suffer just as his Lord and Savior Jesus suffered. But he will suffer for a big purpose and a big cause. He will suffer to show a world bound to sin and bound to hell that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house, and he put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto you in the way as you came, 
has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith. Right then, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat or food, he was strengthened, and then was Saul certain days, a number of days, with the disciples which were at Damascus. In life, we all have a starting point. When it comes to following Jesus, we all start somewhere. Saul is starting from about the absolute worst place you could possibly start from. Saul has not just said, no thanks Jesus, I don't want to be a part. Saul has said, no thanks Jesus, I don't want to be a part. And I will hinder, I will stop, I will kill anyone else who wants to be a part of your mission and your plan. Now how in the world is a guy like Saul starting from a point like this so deep in the pit of sin How is Saul ever going to start living for Jesus? Well, he's going to start living for Jesus because God has a plan and a purpose, and that plan uh, involves a man named Ananias. Now, there uh, Ananias. There are two main characters in today's text, two main human characters in today's text. One of them is Saul himself. And there are things that we can learn from Saul and his salvation encounter with God. There's also a man named Ananias. And today, I believe that God wants you to learn from Ananias, learn how to help others to rise up and to enter into the purposes and plans of God. So this morning, I want to focus on Ananias a little bit, and I want to point out three things from his story for you to consider. First thing about Ananias that I notice about this man that is used to, to guide and direct and to help Saul enter into the purposes of God, the first thing I notice is that he is changed. Say that after me. Say that one word. Say, changed. God is in the change business. Now look at verse 10. How do I know that Ananias is a changed man? One little word. There was a certain disciple. There was a certain disciple at Damascus. Ananias, it tells us, is a disciple. This means he is a pupil or he is a learner. He has moved from trusting in his own self-sufficiency to setting himself at the feet of the master. He is a student. He is a pupil. He is a learner from Jesus. He is a one who's changed. He's no longer the master of his life. He is a disciple. He is a man who is growing in the Lord and his word. Ananias has been changed into one who is willing to listen and to respond to God. Now soon, did you catch this? As soon, as soon as the word of the Lord came to this servant, he was able to respond. He was able to respond. When the Lord came to Ananias, he was able to respond. He was able to say, behold, I am here, Lord. My friends, when the Lord God comes and he calls and he reaches to your heart and your mind and he moves with his spirit, his word to speak to you, there really is only one response and that is, Lord, I am here. I'm listening. I'm ready. Listen, if you're ready to hear from God today, say amen. Here's the problem, though. See, I know he's a changed man because the Bible teaches us that in our uh, state that we're born into as babies and that we grow into and mature into, it's not a state of listening to God. It's a state of rebellion and a state of sin. And we develop that state of sin and we, and we compound it in our life and we begin to draw interest on it and uh, we just can't hear The voice of God without a change, without a heart and mind that had been changed by Jesus. Well, Ananias 
is one who has been changed by Jesus and has become his disciple. Now you say, preacher, that cannot be. It cannot be today that if I'm not a disciple of Jesus that I cannot hear what God wants me to know. Well, listen to what Jesus said. Listen very closely to what Jesus said in John 8, 34 through 36. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. If you have committed one sin, if you have been disobedient to God's voice one time, if you have not obeyed, Jesus said, you are a slave to sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever. Uh, a slave, listen, you're headed for something worse. You're, gonna, you, you, you're, you're bound for hell, bound in that sin. He says, but a son, Jesus said, abides forever. Well, how do you become a son? If you're a slave to sin, if you've sinned one time, how do you move from the status of slave to status, to status of son? Well, Jesus said, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. How can you be saved today? The same way anyone can. How can you be changed today like Ananias where you can begin to move from your little small perspective that has you boxed in that is clouded by sin? How can you move from that into trusting the bigger vision of God? See, now look, you're, you're learning with Saul here that God's revealing one step at a time. And he's saying, well, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? And some of your problem today is that some of you have is God has revealed to you clearly through his word some area of sin or some area where you're not being obedient and you will not be obedient. You keep saying, why is my life continuing like this? And it's as if God is standing back saying, you, you won't take the first step. You won't trust me over here. Why do you assume that things will be different over there? What an example for us. Can you say today when you are confronted with God's word, Single person, married person, young person, older person, doesn't matter. Can you say with Ananias, behold, I am here, Lord. Too often we're doing our own thing. And so we cannot hear the word of God. It's interesting with Saul. Saul has been so busy doing his own thing that he cannot see. Oh, he could see with his outward eyes. But he could not see spiritually what the purposes and plan of God is. And so God graciously takes Saul's sight outwardly away from him. And when he loses that sight, God is already in the gracious business of teaching him through the prayer and fasting. Because now he doesn't have a choice. Now he cannot see. He cannot rely on the outward eyes. And so he already is beginning to understand things spiritually because he's already seen, even though he cannot see with these eyes, our text has taught us that he has already seen one named Ananias coming to place his hand on him to prepare him. He had to lose this sight so he could see the sight that God wanted him to have for the bigger purpose and the bigger plan. And some of you today, God is very graciously, you may not understand this or see it this way, but some of you, under your own sight and your own path and your own way, have walked in such a dead-end alley of sin that the Lord God has caused some things to happen in your life that have removed your power, removed your strength, and He has done this. So maybe now you will listen to the spiritual things of the Lord. If we're going to help others, if we're going to guide our families, if we're going to point our co-workers off the path of pain and to the path of forgiveness, if you are going to be used by God, then, friend, you must be changed by Jesus 
And that happens through confession of sin and placing your hopes and dreams, your past, your present, and your future at his feet. You too, like Ananias, must become a disciple of the man from Galilee. Ananias is changed and we need to be changed. But there is a second thing. He is changed, but he is still a human being. And I love that we get this about Ananias because sometimes we can take these spiritual heroes and we can begin to delude ourselves in thinking that they never faced any battles, that they never faced any challenges, that they never wondered a little bit about the next step that God wanted them on. So I love the second thing about Ananias. And I'm glad that the Bible does not paint fake pictures for us. It allows us to see our walk as it really is. He is a changed man, but I see a second thing. He is also skeptical. Say that after me. Say skeptical. Now, Ananias has a mission from God. Go and minister to Saul. But to Ananias, this doesn't make any sense. He's to go alone, apparently, to Saul and lay his hands on him to deliver him from blindness. That must have seemed strange. And maybe in the next step that God has called you to in trusting him, maybe you're having a hard time because that next step seems really strange to you and really awkward and really uncomfortable. Imagine the discomfort, and it becomes clear through the text. This is why he's skeptical. Lord, you really want me to go to one that's killing everybody in your name? Well, when Jesus, and listen, listen, oh, listen closely. When Jesus calls, and Jesus commands, and Jesus directs, and you're attuned to the word of God and obedient to the Holy Spirit, when you do this, you will find that there are times in your life when the Lord God, taking the next step, will be to step out and do something challenging, something hard, something difficult. Noah had to build a boat in the middle of dry land. Moses had to strike a rock in the middle of the desert to get water. God commanded his people to march around Jericho seven times for seven days in order to defeat a city. Ananias is changed, but he is also skeptical. Now, this is the key thing. He is not skeptical about Jesus' power to save. He's not skeptical of God's good purpose. What Ananias is skeptical of is the specific command that he has been given. He's uncertain about this next command. It's clear he honors the Lord. It's clear he's listening to the Lord. It's just this thing you're asking me to do, Lord. I don't know if I can do it. Lord, I just don't know. Lord, I've been with that woman so long. And I know that we're supposed to become one flesh and be married, have a covenant together. But God, I've been with her so long and it's just so many reasons not to do it in today's world and society doesn't care. God, I can't trust you and do this. God, I've been, I've been single for 10 years. And it's not because I've been too picky. And it's not because, God, I think I'm better than everybody. And it isn't it, because I've bought into the lies of this world that some knight in shining armor will show up. It's not because of that stuff, Lord. I'm still single because I've just determined I don't need to yoke myself up with somebody that's not interested in you and your voice and what you have to say. And God, I just feel like I don't know if I can trust you in my singleness one more day. Father God, I try every day I go to that high school, that junior high. Father God, I, 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 I try. But God, I just don't know if I can trust you one more day or I don't know if I can do it anymore God I've trusted you with that child that has rebelled and Father God I can't make their decisions for them but Lord I just don't know if my heart can take one more 
day. Ananias is changed, but he's skeptical of this specific thing because the details of God's plan are often challenging. Listen, they're challenging because we don't see from his perspective. We don't have a God-given perspective, so no wonder it's challenging when God is trying to help grow us in our sanctification and grow us to walk under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. No wonder there's a challenge there because he's saved us. We are saved, and now he's changing us into being that disciple he wants us to be. Like Ananias, we're often guilty of giving God the reasons why we can't do this or do that. Maybe today God wants you to forgive someone who hurt you. But you know that my experience is, for most of us, it is as hard or more difficult than getting water from a rock in the desert. It's more hard or difficult than that, just forgiving someone who has really harmed us. Sometimes it's not that we've been hurt. You know, something else I've learned as a pastor over eight years. Sometimes something that hurts even more than being hurt is being ignored. Sometimes when people are hurt a little bit, at least they know somebody's paying attention to them. Did you know there are people in these pews today, and maybe it's you, and maybe God gave this for you. There's some of you today that you just feel ignored by mom, by dad, by a child, by a member of the church. You just feel ignored. And today you just wonder, Father God, I just don't know if I can keep the right spirit within me that I need because, Lord, I can't take just one more day of being ignored by this person that I love and I care about and it seems like they have forgotten me. You see, the next step of God's plan, He has loved and forgiven us and He's called you to do that. And sometimes when that comes down to the specifics, it's a really hard thing to trust God enough to do it. Let's not play games this morning. Oh, friends, if we've been changed like Ananias, we too sometimes will be skeptical. We'll be concerned about God's plan. But God's plan for Ananias was to assist Paul or Saul in the next step of his journey, and he's got a plan for you. So Ananias has changed. But he's skeptical, and maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're a little skeptical. He's changed, but he's skeptical. But then we see the third thing about Ananias, and this is the key thing. He's been changed, but he's skeptical about this next step he's supposed to take. But there's a third thing we learn about him, and that is that he is submissive, even in his concern, even with the skepticism, even with the wondering. The key thing is, at the end of the day, Ananias More than his skepticism, more than his questions, he trusts above himself. He trusts the God who changed him. So even with the skepticism, he is willing to follow and obey. He is submissive. Say that after me. Say submissive. This is where most of us miss it. God can handle your questions. He doesn't even really get that mad at Ananias in this text. In fact, there's no indication he's upset. Like that's a legitimate... And then I go back to what I said earlier. If you question God's power and you question Jesus' ability to save, God will show up and he will put the fear in you when he determines to do it. He will do that. That's not what Ananias is doing. He's not questioning God's power or God's goodness. He's just from his perspective, Lord, I don't get this. So God shows up and he shows him a little bit more. By the way, isn't that good of God? Did you know God did not have to do that? God could be a God that says, I told you once, and you wouldn't obey, 
So I'm removing your part of this wonderful plan and this wonderful purpose. I'm removing you from that, and I'm going to move on to the next one. If you're glad God's patient, say amen. Some of you, he's been so patient with. So we see that God speaks to him again. He encourages him. He helps him. He gives him a little more information to help him. And Ananias is submissive. Look at verses 15, 16, and 17. But the Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Ananias went his way and entered into his house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto you in the way as you came, has sent me, that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. God's word says of Ananias that he went his way, the way that God had told him to go. Ananias has questions, the more than the questions he knows that God is good. And he has chosen to trust God. Today you do not know what tomorrow holds. And Jesus may be directing you in ways that you are very confused about. But my friend, if it is clearly the word of God, if it is what he has said is best, then my friend, submit your path, submit your present, submit your future, submit it all, all to Jesus. Can you imagine? I love this scene. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Saul who is trembling and Saul who is afraid? Saul who had been putting fear in others, now he is the one that is afraid. Saul who had been breaking others, now he is the one that's broken. Can you imagine him sitting in that room confused and scared and probably wondering, what are these Christians going to do to me? Because you know what the world does. The world, to some degree, is still bound at its best to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Saul is a Jew among Jews. He's a Pharisee among the Pharisees. If anyone knows the law of God, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it's Saul. And so Saul, in all of his righteousness, he must be sitting in that room. One is schooled and the law is him. He must be sitting there thinking, it won't be long. It won't be long until they place their hand on me. And they end my life. They take it from me. And I will face this God that I have sinned against. Can you imagine the room when Ananias, who was obedient and submissive, showed up and placed his hands on Saul? And it was not, today you die. It was, Brother Saul, your sight returns. Brother Saul, today you no longer walk under the spirit of death and condemnation. Brother Saul, now you walk under the spirit of God. Saul, you who are so focused with taking life, now you will go and proclaim the name of Jesus and give life to kings and give life to Jews and give life to Gentiles through the name of Jesus. There he is all alone expecting and waiting to die condemned by the law. We are all condemned by the law of God because we have all sinned. And can you imagine when those hands was placed and it was not death, but it was brother Saul. Can I tell you today that the Lord Jesus Christ 
has submitted to the plan of God from all of eternity. And he left heaven and he came into this world. And we were condemned to death, condemned to die because of our sin. But the Bible says that Jesus came and on a cross he spread out his arms to the whole world. And he put his arms around that world on the cross. And he said, I've not come to condemn you, I've come to save you. See, it's not your Saul who has sight return. It's you. It's you. And so Ananias has changed, but he's a little uncertain and he's a little concerned. But ultimately, he is submissive. My friend, I can proclaim this word to you, but I cannot take the step of submission for you. And looking around this wonderful room, different ages and different experiences and different backgrounds, I'm very aware that for many of you, the next step that God wants is, a, is it, it's different. For young people, you're at a certain place in your life that there's a step you got to take. Will you take it? For middle-aged folks, for a lot of you, there's a step you got to take. For married people, there's a step you got to take. For a single person, there's a step you got to take. And all I can do is tell you that whatever it is, look to God's Word. And when you know, when it is clear, be submissive to that word, I can tell you that, but I cannot take the step for you. All around us are people bound by sin. People that are hurting. People that need us to be an Ananias to them. Are you changed? If you're not changed, you need to be saved today. But if you are changed, if you are a disciple of Jesus, are you being submissive right now to what God wants you to do in your life? There was once a bishop, a pastor in the early church in Smyrna, there in the Mediterranean world. His name was Polycarp. Polycarp, I believe, uh, if I remember right, had been a disciple of John. We're talking the next generation of the church. And Polycarp, the pastor, the bishop of Smyrna, uh, when the persecution got hot in his area, not by Jews like Saul, but later the Romans would take up the persecution. When the Roman authorities went and captured Polycarp. He was 86 years old. Unusual even then for a man to live that long. He was 86 years old. When the Roman authorities captured Polycarp, they told him, your release, your salvation is simple. You just curse the name of Jesus and you will be released. Polycarp, an 86-year-old man, replied, 86 years have I served him. And he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The Roman officer, they, according to the reports, they did not really want to kill this elderly man. There was no glory in Rome for killing 86-year-old men. The officer replied, unless you change your mind, I will have you burnt. But Polycarp responded, you threaten a fire that burns for an hour, and after a while it is quenched. For you are ignorant of the judgment to come and of the everlasting punishment reserved for the ungodly. Do what you wish. Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Today, trust God to save you and change you from your sin. Today, 
Trust God who has been so good to you. Trust Him enough to submit and to follow the plan and the purpose for your life. Now listen, that's the message preached. That's the message proclaimed. Young person that is wrestling with your next step, either you know what it is and you're wrestling with do it, Listen, this is your opportunity now to pray and to seek God and to listen to God for just a moment, to stop seeing with these eyes, to close those eyes, and listen to what the Spirit of God would say to you and what He's trying to teach you through this Word. Mom or Dad, your marriage is falling apart. You can't agree on how to raise your child. You can't agree on what the next step is. Now is the time for you to close these eyes and to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you, to seek Him Together, listen, there are some husbands and wives. You need to come today and you need to pray together. You're one flesh. Pray together. Lord, help us to know you need to seek God today. Oh, there are some elderly folks. That things change. Surgeries, health issues, heartache in your life. And it's really getting hard. You know He's good. You know He loves you. You're not, you're not questioning that Jesus saves you, you're just a little uncertain right now because every next step is so difficult and so hard. So whether you're young or whether you're old, the important thing today is are you submitting to God's will for your life? Are you submitting to Him? And there are some of you today that you are bound in sin. And you can see with these eyes what you cannot see. You cannot see or hear the Word of God, other than that Word that calls you to salvation, you can't know the next step because you haven't taken the step of confessing your sin and naming Him as Savior, changed and submissive. This is your time to listen and to respond to God. Would you stand with me this morning? Just go ahead and close your eyes right there. Close the outward eyes. And we're going to sing. We're going to give you an opportunity to come Respond in faith this morning. Dear God, I ask today, Lord, this word has been proclaimed as faithfully as I know how to proclaim it. So Lord, I just ask right now at this moment, at this time, if there are those who are wrestling with being submitted to you, Father God, I ask that they would not, they don't, they don't have to wait till the music starts. Lord, would they come now and would they listen and pray? Would they take these moments to seek your will, to respond to your will, to be obedient to your will? for their life. Dear Lord, if there is a sinner, Lord, let the day be the day that the scales are removed from their eyes and they can see. Dear God, you move right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, it's our way here. If you want to respond at this time, you can pray there, but you can come here and pray. And others will pray with you. And you can seek God's will today. Listen, as we sing you respond to God's Spirit. Brother Cecil, what number? 